Hello and welcome to the summer edition of the People's Game. We are talking tennis this week. The Australian Open has kicked into full swing. I'm joined, as ever, by Gordon Hunter-Meredith. And once again, we've got the doctor back in the booth to pod with us. Jacob Dewson, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, you get a welcome as well, Gordon. Oh, how are you doing? Thanks, uh, Jamie. So the introductory question, we are Melburnians. We froth sport. We love going to the tennis. Melbourne Park has a beautiful vibe about it this time of year, but... What is your personal relationship with the Australian Open? Juson, I'm going to start with you because you have watched more tennis than anyone. Yes, well, um, being unemployed, briefly, is is very handy for going to sports. So I've been to the tennis twice already this week. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I mean, I like probably like cricket more than I do tennis. Um, but when whenever the Oz Open comes around, everyone pays attention. Big bash goes on the back burner, especially now that it's a longer season. Um, it's something to do for two weeks or to something to watch every day for two weeks. Um, and then if you go, I think the atmosphere, um, you know, it's called the party open or whatever, um, sort of a festival type atmosphere. It's um, it's sort of what, what January is all about anyway. The rest of the summer might be cricket for me, but certainly this part of the year you focus very much on tennis. And um, whenever you talk to anyone... Um, at this time of year, they know what's going on. They know the Oz Open's on, and it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It is that party vibe, especially. It's definitely that sport that it's pulling from like the both ends of, of Melbourne. So, like Melbourne, you have like Portsy Polo, and then you also have <laughs> yeah, like that's a hundred percent. And then you also have like being in the outer at the footy. Mm. And when you go to the tennis, you get both. And they cater to everyone, and you can just I mean, half people just go because it's the it's it's a place to be seen. It's a thing to do. It's a it is that that festival, but it's like a festival of all things. And I remember mm. going to a um, sports industry talk in October about sports business and brand activation, that kind of other business stuff around sport. And the CEO of Tennis Australia was saying that they actually consider the Australian Open to be a four-part festival, and only one of those parts is tennis. Mm. What are the other three then? So yeah. It's like family, yep. uh, beverage, and dining, yeah, and, a lot and then and then music. And, and so they want them to be like. You can come to the tennis and only see the bands, or you yeah. can come to the tennis and only check out all the restaurants and, and like the, the cocktails and stuff. You can come to tennis as a family activity mm. and go to the family fun park, or you can go to the tennis, and or you can do two of the four, three of yeah. the four, all four. It's more than just a tennis tournament; it is a festival and a um, kind of like smorgasbord sampling of what all Melbourne thing has to offer, mm. and which is why you see it's like one of the most heavily branded sports, in inverted commas, things I've ever been to. Even yesterday, I just noticed like, yeah, you go to the footy, you go to the cricket, and yeah, there's lots of gambling advertising. There's usually a bit of uh, alcohol advertising, and there's the, the weird uh, compulsory things to be served here, there, and everywhere else. Mm. But everything at the tennis is so heavily branded and so on point. It is like a, a little fashion shoot. A little uh, brand catalogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom's? Yeah, all I those. So I walked past the other day and I wondered, like, who goes to the – who actually – like, and I know those those stores are there to be seen, not to be shopped at, but I do kind of wonder who – if anyone, like, walks in and just goes, oh, I might just go splurge 120. I'm sure there will be people oh, that do. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's Rockpool, like, out the back of Margaret well, Court. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. And they have, the go, <laughs> <laughs> they have all the packages. They have all the packages where you can, like, combine your restaurant and oh, go right, and yeah. dine at, like, Rockpool before you go to the – and they – tee all of that up. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really, um, it is really interesting how they've kind of expanded it into mm. this big entertainment event because it is probably the best $45, $50 ticket 
I think, in Melbourne oh, for the 100%. day. If you get a yeah. day off work and you go, you're never going to be bored. Mm. You can flick between tennis matches. I think that watching tennis on the outside courts is infinitely more enjoyable than watching it on centre court. Yeah. Take out the quality of the competitor. That ability to be sat like a metre from someone returning serve is and brilliant. Especially in the first, like mm, I said, I've been couple of days, Wednesday, yeah. because, you know, usually Rod Laver and, and Margaret Court even – the first couple of days or first couple of rounds is some very high seed versus some poor sap who's going to get absolutely flogged. Um, yeah. And apart from last night, that was probably true. Um, whereas, you know, especially yesterday, I went, we saw some, we saw Diego Schwartzman, who's like the 18th yeah. seed, got pushed to five sets out on a, and as you said, like you were a metre away from this amazing contest. Yeah. And then even last night with the ground pass, which I still find amazing that with the ground pass, we're allowed to get into Melbourne Arena. Um, because it's a really nice arena to watch tennis at, and as I said last night, it was a very, very mm. good quality match. I remember watching Karlovic, who's the the seven foot eleven Croatian beanpole serving last year. I think he's the tallest tennis player on the circuit. Mm. And watching him was just like obscene. Yeah. Like the height he's at when he serves the ball, and literally so being hard. on the fence. Yeah, yeah it's just Crazy. obscene. And then you, when you are that close, and having watched a little bit on Rod Laver this week, mm. you, you do get a better. The closer you get, the better you get a feeling for how hard it is. It's you, crazy. You do get a feel for it on Rod Laver when you're sort of in the bleachers, so to speak, but mm. you do get an even nicer feel when you're that far away. And it's and it's all like aspects, you know, it's doubles, it's women's, it's it's mm. whatever. Like Wheelchair. they they all hit it so hard. It's crazy. Yeah. I can't yeah. And so the follow up sort of question, I guess, to and you talk about the Australian Open being the party Grand Slam. Have either of you experienced a Grand Slam overseas, the French, Wimbledon, or the US? I have not myself, but my um, one of my cousins has been to Wimbledon, um, and I was actually with sort of sat with him last night down at, at the Millman game, and I mean it's it's probably a sign of what we're used to in that we're used to you know going berserk at the Australian Open, or well, you know the crowd just being so heavily involved. Um, but he said it, it's such a different vibe there. It, you know, you literally go, someone wins a point, you politely clap, and then it's sort of silence the rest of the time. Um, I think because it's so, you know, there's such a heavy tradition over there as well um, that probably plays into it. But certainly the crowd and the atmosphere, he said, yeah. just nowhere near what it is at the Oslo. I don't know about the other Opens, yeah. but, but certainly that's, that's from what and I've I heard think of Wimbledon. It's a bit like golf. Although the, the the difference with tennis and golf is the the venues change in golf, other than yeah. um, the Masters. Yeah. But Wimbledon has a very similar vibe, I think, to Augusta in yeah, terms sure. of the the length of tradition. Mm. So at Wimbledon, you generally have the only only white shirts, etc. Augusta has a similarly strict dress code, etc. Mm. I think I haven't been to Wimbledon. It was one of those things that I never ticked off the sporting bucket list when I was over there. But it's mm. very um. It's a lot more laid back, a lot more traditional. It's very much a Pims in the Sun mm. kind of event. And I know that when the fanatics go over there to support Nick Kyrgios, there's always a, a news article in the British press yeah, about yeah. The, the boisterous convicts coming up from down under and making a ruckus at our yeah. very posh event. But what about you, Gord? Have you been... been I haven't obsessed? been to any of the other, other slams, but talking to other tennis people over the last couple of times I've been to the Oz Open, they're, they're sometimes a bit split. And they're also a bit split on tour as well. So a lot of the newer to the scene tennis players and the ones that are in that middle tier of players, so like kind of the 20 in the world out out beyond that, really like the Australian Open because it's fun. And so especially on the outdoor courts or if you're on a show court or if you're at Melbourne Arena and you happen to be one of those, you know, uh, 25-seated players, The Aussie crowd would just get around you and be like, yeah, we haven't seen this person before. Let's get behind them. Like, suddenly we're their biggest fans and they get this huge energy rush from it. 
Whereas you'll see a lot of the time the Aussie crowd will turn against your big top ten players and be like, no, we've seen you win enough times. Let's see someone else win. Yep. And they don't they don't get that vibe. Whereas everywhere else you go, there seems to be that the the educated crowd and the Vettercommas respects the, the reverence. The, of, yeah, the reverence yeah. of a of a Federer. To be fair though, Federer gets love wherever he goes, but a, a Nadal, a Jokovic, yeah. the rest of them and the yep. same on the women's side. So uh, there is that, but I think also for the players, like you know, what half the field goes out in round one. It's amazing. Mm. So, so out of all the opens, this one's by far the best because a location wise, you're so close to everything in Melbourne, and b there's also a lot to do at the event as well. So if you're just stuck there before you probably leave, yeah, most most of them have left by the end of week one because mm. they have to go see the next tournament yeah. and get those ranking points. And, and it is a bit more accessible than Wimbledon. I remember one of the fasts with going to Wimbledon was that getting in. Even on a ground pass is quite a pain. There's a lot of queuing, etc. Yeah, to, to do that sort of thing. Yeah, I've heard it's it's not as accessible. Yeah. We're almost the people's open, and I think the other thing when you talk about those lower seated players being the first Grand Slam of the year, one of the advantages of that is that if there's something that's going to arise in the tennis world in mm. 2019, for example, we're the first open that's going to get a look at it. Yeah, um, and I think you've seen that in past years. And I know, like you talk about us supporting the underdog, like we've jumped on players like Baghdadis in the past really heavily. And I think that's that's a very Australian sort of mindset or ethos. Yeah. Um, but there is still a reverence for the big name players. So I guess moving on a little bit, I suppose, I don't know if it's right to say that we don't have a genuine contender. Barty is looking really good. And then obviously, I don't think Dimonor is a contender yet, but he's certainly a player that Australians can get behind. So mm. does actually having in the public eye real candidates for potential trophies enhance the experience or is it irrelevant? I, th- I think it would help. I think it would... But yeah, I think it would create more of a buzz around the week or the the couple of weeks if we knew, you know, Demonor was number three in the world and had a had a chance. I mean, you know, we'll find out tomorrow. He's playing Nadal. Yeah, if he beats him, then who knows? But um, but yeah, I think I think when um, like I think probably one or two years ago, even when you know Kyrgios was injured and we were like, oh, are we actually going to have anyone? It, you do feel like Australian tennis is a bit flat. Now we've definitely got Barty, as you said, who's a genuine mm. contender. And there's more focus on wheelchair tennis because Dylan Alcott's so good. visible, yeah. which is a. It's, I think that's one of the great things about the Open. Even the visibility he gets through having a relationship with ANZ mm, on a commercial mm. basis is incredibly valuable for disabled kids who need a role model. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that ANZ, and we've spoken about this in light of the Gillette ad in terms of how marketing is yeah. used with social causes. I still think that that's overwhelmingly a positive. Oh, hundred percent. And I think the only thing, the thing with someone like Barty in particular, is that I just hope that. Like, Sam Stozer's got a notoriously awful record at Melbourne mm. Park, and I just hope that expectation doesn't get to a point where it puts someone like yeah. Ashbardi under so much pressure that yeah. she's never able to perform, which is not what it looks like at this at this point. Yeah, and and, and to the sort of original question, when we, when, even when we don't have a genuine contender, in inverted commas, no one can see me do that, um, you know, because it's the... The festival open, the party open, and everyone, and it's a once a year thing where you get the best players in the world. I don't think it detracts too much. I think there is more of a buzz if there's a really, really good Australian, but you know, people just want to see. Yeah, I'd be interested to check out the numbers on it, but like a lot of a lot of tennis people will just want to go see want to go see the best players, and even in our group yesterday, not like what the ch- the chit chat amongst you know the twelve of us that ended up being together for one of the games wasn't about oh which Australian players it was oh we just went and saw Gail Monfils play this epic game out here Sick. and it's like yeah so you'll just go watch it's a bit like a, a boulevard of, of Netflix it's like you'll just go watch your favourite like, character I was open and chill 
To okay. be fair, if someone was if someone invited me on a Tinder date to the tennis, there's I would 100 percent be all there. <laughs> like, there's no way you'd say Good no. Day. Yeah, like, because yeah. if they're rubbish, then you say, right, I'm going home. Sorry, bye. And then you're in the grounds anyway. That's a huge tangent. Where you'd see the difference in, in like viewership would be on TV. So yep. once I think once, yeah. yeah, if if we didn't have any Australians on, if we didn't have any Australian tenders, I think yeah, that would be a lower viewership there. But a lot of the time, I don't. I would be interested to know how many how many people at the Australian Open are Australian, and how many are your bucket list people that do it. I'm going to go to Australia for yeah. the summer, and I'm going to make sure I'm there for the Oz Open because you yeah. see, you hear a lot of different accents, you mm. see a lot of different people. Yeah, there's so, always someone representing yeah. any any yeah. country, like and, yeah. any you can think of. There's mm. always like there's always a smattering of supporters from yeah. that country. Yeah. And there's probably an expat from some every yeah. country in the world somewhere in Australia almost. So especially in Melbourne. So. Group. But I guess um, talking about the Australian thing again, I, I suppose that by the time they're all knocked out, when you get to the round of like, the fourth round or the quarterfinals or whatever, yeah. by that point, most of the big matches are on the main courts anyway, so they're harder to get into. So yeah. that ability, like those courts are going to sell out irrespective of whether mm. Australians playing. So yeah. it doesn't matter in terms of attendance. I think it matters for TV, but I think even just, just the fact that there are Australians in the draw is most important in the first three rounds because people just yeah. go and jump on a Duckworth against oh. Nadal or whoever 100%. it is. Or it, it doesn't matter really who yeah. it is. It, you might never have heard of him, but yeah. he's the Australian, so you go and support him. And it really doesn't matter if he's out in the second round because by then it's all centralised and it's yeah. on the bigger courts anyway. And that's the good thing about the ground pass, as you said before. Like you, like you wander around, you find a good game, and if there's not much on, you just go find some random Aussie and just jump on them. Yeah, and, or sit and, in a bar. I mean, I first went with my family when I was, I don't know, 10 or something. Mm, I can't yeah. really remember. But I don't think back then, certainly, there was that, you know, around like around the grounds, the the food and all that sort of thing. I mean, obviously, I was 10, so I wasn't going to go get a beer. But, but that's certainly taken off in the last decade, and it's been fantastic because, you know, as you said, like if there isn't anything happening and you can't get into Rod Laver, you just go to the bar, yeah. have a couple of beers in the, and, you know, it's lovely out there and just yeah. watch it on the screen. And from a commercial point of view, that's something they had to do because, you, A, it's hugely expensive to get a, a courtside ticket for the big games in the second week of the tournament. But then you have all this ground that you've paid for. You have all these people that you've got coming in to do to sell their wares and whatever. So you have to be like, well, how can I, how can we make people pay 50 bucks? To essentially watch it on a big telly, yeah, yeah, outside, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and that's how we do it by doing yeah, the other, doing other things. Yeah, so. um, which is yeah, it's an interesting one. I know that there's a bit of kerfuffle because they ditched the evening ground, the after five pm ground pass, which a lot of people mm. who work were quite pissed off about because that yeah. used to be like a thing that you would do commute down after work I'm and pay, they did that. pay for about 30 bucks. Yeah. The other thing I noticed um, the other night is that the, your evening Rod Laver sessions for, you know, 100 plus bucks mm. don't get you in for the day. You have to buy a separate ground pass. You can only enter after five. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which I was mildly pissed off about. Yeah. Because um, you do, as you said, you pay it fair. Well, and I was, can. yeah, I was like, well, I've just dished out 120 bucks to watch two matches on Centre Court. Yeah. And you're yeah. now telling me that I can't go in until after 5 p.m. and I have to, if I, or I have to pay another 40 bucks. Like, well, that's the thing. It's a bit it, of a ball ache. Yeah. I mean, now especially, like, I don't, because the quality, as I said, the quality of those matches usually isn't, you know, you don't get that many five setters on Rod Laver in the first Round yeah, or two. exactly. Like, then why would you fork out 180 bucks to get good seats there if you can only see a couple of matches in the evening? Yeah. But I don't know. Well, the all time stink I remember was my dad shared himself for his birthday uh, tickets to one of the Serena finals, so women's to the oh, Sunday yeah. night. And I think it was like something horrendous, like six loves. Yeah, six loves. no, no, no. But I was like 
six hundred dollars because it was oh, like right, yeah, yeah. premium one tier seats, probably four rows back from the front. Yeah, like really went like, oh, it's gonna be a great experience. Retire her, and no, no, she won like she won twelve games. The thing was done in like half an hour. Yeah. That's he, the he essentially there. paid you know twelve hundred dollars an hour to go watch tennis. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. The yeah, that's um, quite a bit. the women's games on Centre Court can end very quickly in yeah. the, the two set format. Um, they can. They can yeah. also be like. There can also be some really random epics just because there's yeah, some yeah. weird mm. upset. I feel like. I mean, not knowing the stats or anything, I feel like there are a lot more just sort of quite bizarre upsets on the women's side of the draw. It's a lot more. It's just more open. Yeah, especially like, look at the players and the world number one Simone uh, Simone Halep. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the women's game is probably nowhere near as established as. You, there's, there's not that nucleus of the yeah. top three well, dominating yeah, yeah. like there has been in the men, and it's really. Well, I do like how you say that, but rarely they have a top one dominating. Like it's just Serena Which when she's fit and yeah. on and whatever. Yeah. Then well, good luck. But I mean, it's it's kind of uh, the the top three in 2009 in the men's side is the top three again, is like <laughs> the top three seeds again. Yeah, the world's most like, boring ten-year challenge is the yeah, ATP yeah. ten-year challenge. Yeah, right. you have a sporadic. Uh, yeah, yeah, your number four onwards is a bit fluid yeah, and, yeah. and floating, but the two, the top three. Have been I mean, the it's top a great test to those guys, but it, yeah, it probably suggests that someone needs to come through at some point. But it is yeah. interesting though, because it goes back to that, and we see that in all sports. So when you actually have a clear dominant force, people get around it more. As much as, especially team sports and leagues and competitions are obsessed with parity and, and competitiveness, mm. it's when you have a clear dominant force, people respect, people respect it and yeah. like respond to greatness. Yeah. You see well, that with like the Warriors in the NBA, you see that with the three-peat teams in AFL, you see it with the Storm Asterix in, in NRL. <laughs> and even like NFL, we'll be able to see that with the Patriots. Probably, yeah, yeah. yeah, go for, I think eighth Enjoy time they've gone yeah. to the AFC Championship in a row. So things like that. And you see that with Federer, Nadal, yeah. Djokovic, yeah. Uh, the Williams sisters. Murray. Murray. Don't forget Murray. Well, no, the reason why you forget Murray is because he he's not up he's there. He's not there anymore. He's not up yeah. there. But oh, is, that, is, that, is, that a, is that a segue there, Daniel? Well, no, that's not a segue because <laughs> I'm going to ask you all about Bernard Tomic's little tantrum. So does Bernie have a point? A yeah. and B, are we like? I don't know. I get a bit of uh, motion sickness every time we go through the Kyrgios Tomic bashing session every January. Yeah. Tell me about Dimonor. Like, tell me about the good news. Tell yeah. me about Barty. Tell me about that because I just get sick of like that element of the Australian Open. And even last night, I know it was brought up on Twitter when Dimonor was winning. It's like, oh, look at this guy compared, compared to, to Kyrgios. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. then someone tweeted back, like, no, Kyrgios lost to a serving bot. Yeah, oh, like, that's who's crazy. Who's ranked yeah. in the top 20. And, and Dimonor beat the world 166 in five sets. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that is totally about whatever lens you want to adopt. Oh, 100%. And, like, and, and I was saying this to Gordo yesterday, like, in fairness to Kyrgios, he, in his presser, he didn't. He didn't make an excuse about his knee or anything. He said Roundich served amazingly and was much better than me. Like he just, he said like I just wasn't good enough because he was amazing. And that's you know, full credit to him. Like, and that's all well yeah. and good when he does that there. But when he goes like, uh, yeah. he's feeding, he's feeding his own beast. So he could have just left it there. Yeah. And then and whatever beef he has with Hewitt, whether it's made up or not, and that's why I'm, like it's kind of this is very similar to like the pretend NBA beefs you have. Like the NBA players will just slide in each other's DMs and slide in each other's Twitter feeds and be like, "Oh, I got you, blah blah blah," and everyone blows it up. And at the end of the day, it's just a bit of chat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and maybe that's what he's doing with you. I, I don't know. I, like, I don't know anywhere near enough about that situation. Well, no one really does. Yeah. All they have is the Tomic thing that Tomic came out and just dropped bombs, yeah. and then, and as you said, like, do we care? So, as a as a journalist in an, in a news story sense, there is a story in that. 
It's like you go, if you right. go, but no, but in the atomic thing, if you go with his actual comments and his actual allegations, you go, mm-hmm. oh, hang on a second, there are a lot of, and if you go dig properly, Leighton Hewitt doesn't own the agency and he's not anyone's agent. He has a he has a he is a minority shareholding in a player agency, right. which which the player a, a number of Australian players are in because well of course they are because yeah, they, need, they need to have they need to have an agent and he happens to own an agency or a part of an agency. There's, there's yeah. that problem. There's also the fact that he's the. I find it weird when like the captain of the Davis Cup team is also doing a lot of like. Uh, media appearances and crosses. Mm. No, like, have this thing when he's cricket. watching and they and they cross to it, and you're like, "Well, are you?" And the same thing happened in cricket with Mark Warren. Yeah, it's like, yeah. "Well, are you the selector? Are you a commentator? Yeah. Are you a media pundit? Are you a, an individual mm. coach?" It's a bit weird to be having all those hats on at once. Mm. I, um, I, yeah. I, I so he the, has. Yeah. So Tomic has a point. Yeah, I get the feeling there is, and there may be a story so. there, yeah. but also, but who knows? there's a way to do it. Yeah, and he did not nail it. Yeah, but we know that he's like he was that idiot on Q and A. <laughs> where you go, where you go? Oh no, this guy has a point, but the Not way you've said it, well. the words you've yeah, used, absolutely. and the time you picked to do yeah. it means that everyone's going to think you're a dill, yeah. and everyone thought he was a dill. Oh, it's definitely worthy of further further investigation for the reasons that you've elaborated. Because yeah. if there is a legitimate conflict of interest that Leighton Hewitt's dealing with, like Mark War, mm. that needs to be spoken about and addressed. Mm. Because in cricket and in tennis, I don't think giving an, being an ex-player, and I think Hewitt's in a really strange boat even compared to a Mark War, mm. because he's like like the shining light of the last 15 years of Australian tennis. And he's still playing. Yeah, well, in some formats, mm. yeah. yeah. And so it was, it was Rafter and then it was Hewitt. Yeah. And then no, we never really warmed to Stozer in the same way that we warmed to Hewitt. Yeah. Um, so he is – that's it. And so I think that he does hold a privileged position in Australian tennis and whether that's mm. too privileged probably is worthy of – yeah, some questioning by the media. But I don't, the but other I don't po- think just beating up the tantrum is the way to go. No. The, the yeah. other point with Tomic though is that he's not entirely correct in like, oh, the favourites around the qualify, like who qualified, who got a wild card. So if you go back through the numbers of the rankings, well, all those people that got qualifiers are now getting very close to outranking. Not Kyrgios and Tomic who qualified who qualified in the main draw anyway due to their rankings, but he did say, oh, Kokonakis missed out. Well, Kokonakis couldn't play the wild card tournament in December because he was still injured. And then he missed out on discretionary qualifier because he was still injured, essentially. That wasn't so that, that wasn't that it. wasn't posted yeah. publicly, but if you go back and do a bit of research of when he was injured and what games he missed, he didn't he didn't come out and his first game for like six or seven months was the Brisbane International. Mm. And so yeah. Tennis Australia has the option of do I do we go with a fully fit person that may or may not make it through their first game? Mm. Or what happened? And Kokonakis. And, and yeah, and he so he has played a lot of tennis prior to that, but then he also broke down. So mm. does he, if he breaks down halfway through his main draw first round event or he breaks down in round two, not yeah. a lot of difference. So yeah. you may as well go, well, here someone else can qualify. And most of those qualifiers did end up going through. Yeah. I mean, it, it's poor old Kokonakis. He's sort of been... St- I feel like shoved in the middle yeah. of all this. He's, yeah, he's, he's not said a lot. He's, he's Billy wrong, mate. Yeah. He's, he's like, oh no, I hung out with Kyrgios and I hung out with Tomic a little bit because they're my age group and we came up through tennis Australia yeah. together. But I'm not. He doesn't really come out and throw bombs like those two dudes do. Yeah. And to be fair, it's Tomic. Tomic throws the bombs and then Kyrgios just again is is the guy that happens to be around and will say yeah. nothing or give a weird shrug or yeah. he's that more laconic figure. That's like, oh, this is all just a bit of he's a fun and games playing at all. I mean, yeah. Whereas the Tomic Tomic is a different beast. I think yeah. Tomic. I think Tomic wants to be a a media storm more than he wants to be a champion tennis player. Yeah. And he's and he's said as such. 
I'll go home and count my millions. Like when you yeah, go, when you go and say things like that, you're like, well, yeah. you don't care, and that's fair enough. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's not like the Australian cricket team where I want to barrack for Australia. They're my team. So when a player that I think deserves to get selected doesn't get selected, it's a it's an affront Maxi. on that si- on that system. <laughs> With tennis, it's like. I can just go and support anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't like Tomic. Cool. I'm not going to go watch his games. I'm not going to support him. Mm. I'm not going to talk about him on Twitter. I'm going to just follow someone else. Mm. Anyone else. There's like, what, a thousand professional tennis players out there? Go follow someone else. And when everyone does that, the whole monster, media monster that is Burn Atomic stops because no one talks about him. Oh, one day we're going to get through a pod without mentioning Glenn Maxwell. Never. <laughs> but <laughs> also, never. we should create a, a new, like, forget I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. We should take every Australian tennis player, put them in the jungle, and then it should be I'm a tennis player, get me out of here. And just, just sort out some differences. You know? Or just, just put them there. Too and fair, Layton though. can be like the host, just to really annoy Bernie. But anyway, mm-hmm. I Lord. will digress from this digression. Um, so, Gordon, you watched the... Last hurrah of Andy Murray. Were you there or on the box? I don't know. I was, I was via the screen. I should preface that by saying that it may not be the last hurrah. Yeah, the fact that we awkwardly well. played the uh, retirement montage and well, everyone you, yeah. wrote him off and all the rest. So it may or may not have been the last hurrah. That was classic Andy Murray. I think I mentioned it somewhere else, but it is. That's for every, you know, rat bag, idiot, millions canning doofus on the, on the, on the, uh, <laughs> On the ATP circuit, there's a guy like Annie Murray that's like, no, I'm in a privileged position to even be getting paid to play tennis. And he's even more fortunate because he's won a couple and he's obviously got some massive... Mm. Like, his life on the circuit's a lot easier than a person battling around the 100 to 200 mark in, in the ranking system. Mm. But he's gone, no, no, I, like, I've got this injury. I'm, I'm most likely not going to win this game. I, he could have just said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to play. But he went, no, no, like... I, he almost has a sense of duty to be like, people came to this tournament to watch me and support me. My whole support crew is here. They've already come out. And it's also about the whole legacy that I've built my whole career on. This is who I am. I am a battler and a grinder, and I probably need to go on for at least one more mm. and hopefully recover or find a way. He won't recover, but find a way to to get to Wimbledon and play one more game there for his home fans. Oh, that will be a something to behold mm. if he does that. And it is. And it goes back to that... Um, that Flanagan notion of like every sports person dies twice. And it was that weird sense to like you watched a sports person's career Andy. die, end. Yeah. Mm. And you knew and you knew it. It was like a very much like a, a Steve Wall making a century at the SCG on the last ball of the day type thing. But it didn't have the, the payoff. It was like, oh you just kind of respected it. Went, oh yeah. that was that was you that, yeah. good on you for sticking to you. And in fairness, he pushed the number 22 seed to five sets. Mm. If it had been... That is just astronomically ridiculous with one hip. Yeah, Like, his hips are fucked. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I... Having watched him from a British perspective for a couple of years, Mm. and and I think think he's won three majors, so he's won three Grand Slams. He did eventually win Wimbledon, which is, like, huge. But having... I mean, the British were riding Tim Henman. For, for like yeah, 15 yeah, years yeah. and they just didn't have they are like Wimbledon is the home of tennis yeah. and like other sports they didn't have someone Murray's Scottish so it's good for the narrative of this that they didn't get independence because that would have really fucked it up <laughs> but I just feel like he was kind of a little bit maligned early in his career where you talk about the expectation that Australia yeah. put on someone like Stosa yeah. Murray was that times like 50 yeah, it was yeah. like oh my god here's this great white British hope and I think he once he leapt over that hurdle, he's now such a publicly revered figure. Yeah, yeah. And I just I think that 
in, in a lot of other eras, and there was a really good Economist article. He was, I think he's been number four for more weeks than anyone else in the history of tennis, which is like such an appropriate stat. Yeah. Because um, at his best, he didn't have the weapons that Federer and Djokovic and Nadal had. Mm. He was just a, a battler who did it with them out of energy and hard yeah. work. And um, I mean, you know, he got, I think he did get to number one in the world for a little while. Yeah. Briefly, yeah. Very briefly, and, yeah. And, you know, he, as you said, he won three slams. He eventually got past it, so, you know. And that's the. I think that's that's the unfortunate, not unfortunate, but the strange thing about this current era of tennis is that we, we do always get obsessed with, especially as as spectators that don't play tennis, we do have that kind of ambivalence, that naivety about, oh, he's not that good, he's not even seated, or he's not that good, he's never won a Grand Slam. It's like there are a lot of professional tennis players that made it to the pro, the highest pro circuit, and never won a Grand Slam. I'm pretty sure has Halep won one yet? She's won one last year with her and Wozniacki, well, and Wozniacki neither of them had only won, won one. one last year. Yeah. And she's been world number one for, for several weeks, and she's now twenty eight. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, everyone kind of forgets like it's not that easy just well, to rock no. up and win a grand yeah. slam. Even watching like Dennis Isterman the other night playing against Federer, I'm like, yeah. oh, gee, this guy's yeah. this guy's struggling a bit. Yeah. But like he's still in the top 200 players in the world. Yeah. Like and, and tennis and he did like get golf. up to the 30s, I think. You know, like he's done oh. very well for himself. Mm. Like, are you like? I think the the best way to frame it is: Have you ever been 30th best in the world at anything? And I'm like, well, well, we're talking to a, a Walkley award-winning journalist. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah probably has thirty. Maybe I should just be talking to myself. <laughs> here. But yeah, I mean, obviously, not every career has a ranking system. The other thing with Murray, and there's a so there's a great Will Anderson has replacement hips, mm. and there's a great skit mm. of him, and he just talks about living with a replacement hip and how he has basically has a pair of barbecue tongs, or his psycho, his therapist recommended he carry barbecue tongs in case he drops something. Yeah, yeah. And then the skit just goes on and on. It's like, what if you drop your tongs? Then you need another set of tongs. <laughs> and then it's just an endless chain of tongs. Yeah. Like, And, yeah, so the skit's quite funny, but I just hope that isn't Murray in 15 years, like carrying around a set of barbecue tongs to pick things up off the ground because his hips are it's cooked. Sound, I mean, it's he's gonna sounds have, guaranteed. That yeah, I was going to say, yeah. he's going to have access to the best quality care, but it sounds like it's not... Mm. Not progressing, yeah, and that in itself. I mean, he's only thirty-one, so he's yeah, only six yeah. years older than me. Yeah. And I like to think my hips are going okay, but I'm getting worried. Yeah, but you don't play, you know, a sport that would put that strain. Well, no, and my tennis yeah. ability is such of such relative. You know, it's, I'm I'm terrible at tennis. To, to <laughs> say it very uneloquently. Yeah, well, yeah. there are some games that I'm okay at, and one that I have never been anywhere near good at is tennis. Yeah. As a sports doctor, how is tennis ranked amongst other like fatigue loads? In sports, mm. like, is it up there with like netball? I feel like in terms of range of motion and, and strains on on joints, especially like mm. ankles and knees. I mean, you think it about, is very netball esque, and like the stop slide. Yeah, yeah, and you think about, and again, I think it's when you go and you appreciate a lot more when you go. <sighs> but like, for example, watching Millman last night, he throws everything into every shot. Like, especially his forehand, you see his whole body, his whole torso, everything just rotates, and you're like, so he's hitting the absolute crap out of it with every shot. And, like, I, like whenever I've played tennis, you sort of most of the time you're just trying to get it back in and then you'll wind up for one big one at the end of the point and you'll be absolutely knackered. Whereas they are, like, you know, they're going, they're sprinting between, you know, especially mm. if there's a 13-shot rally, like they're sprinting backwards and forwards and they're winding up and, you know, like going absolute hell for leather all the time. And it, it has to put a lot of strain on, on everything. Mm. They're insanely fit. For one thing, yeah, and you know, especially you can see it in those really hot games, especially. Um, but yeah, certainly the strain that has to go through, as you said, stopping and starting side to side. Um, yeah, there's not that many sports I would think that'd be like that. 
Yeah, it's and it's got everything because it's got yeah. the deceleration, the change of direction, the acceleration, the fine motor skills. Mm. As, as an actual, just a sport. Yeah, you have to be good at a lot of things yeah. to be a very good tennis player. And it's it's upper body, it's lower body as well. You yeah. know, it's it's yeah, there to be it'd be t- and and you know, I'm probably Murray had some sort of underlying thing um, going into his tennis Structural, career, yeah. but you know. Um, running backwards and forwards, stopping and starting probably didn't help. Mm. Um, well, no, people are predisposed yeah. depending on how their bodies are built to yeah. certain sports injuries. So, yeah. Um, which, again, makes Federer look even more it's crazy. remarkable. Which is a really good segue because I, for the very first time, while Murray was enjoying his potential swan song, watching watching Federer on Rod oh, Laver yeah. um, alongside Caroline Wozniacki. So I actually got Jeez. both defending champions for my $120 worth of oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was a it was weird. Like so, it was my Rod Laver virginity. Mm, um, mm. To cap the occasion, they presented Rod Laver with the 1969 Australian Open tournament title trophy, courtesy of Novak. So they brought Novak out onto the court and they pres- Oh, because yeah. it's fifty years. Is that yeah, right? fifty yeah, years, yeah, and yeah, then sure. like, that's pretty good. Yeah. It was actually Rod didn't watch. Um, he was courtside for Federer, but he didn't stay and watch. Wasn't he Aki courtside? So that was. Well, what time did Federer finish? Ah, Federer finished at maybe eleven thirty. Yeah, and I've always found it interesting. I think they've changed it recently. They seem to be playing the women's match after the men's match. It's, mm. I think they swap it. So last night yeah. on Margaret Court, they had the men's game and the women's. So oh, Shapo okay. followed the demon. Yeah. But on Rod Labor, they played the women's before the men's, and they'll swap that mm. each Every time. Night. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, okay. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, the Why don't they start at five, though? So, like, it should just... I suppose I think well the answer to that is the to ticketing. Is the ticketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, have, yeah. they want to have a night and session. The, and the TV and, yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. But because... Especially if the men's game goes first. Oh, the second game well, doesn't start until well, eleven eleven thirty. Eleven thirty, which is you know min- minimum as well. Like that's yeah. if it's if it's a if it's a half quick game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's yeah. But if you go four hours, five hours, like some of those games do, mm. then suddenly you're playing and you're like you're playing tennis at midnight, half past half past twelve in the morning. Yeah. And then like who's going to stay for that? And how do you get home? Because like there's no oh, no pain. transport. There's no transport. Yeah. The, that's you what, and you that's get you get you get the tram yeah. to back to the CBD and then that's it. Yeah, You're done. Yeah. Well, that was like um, it, was, it was really interesting because there wasn't the Aki game. No one was settled because it was seven. So like the crowd was kind of half full when it started. Yeah. Okay. People were still rolling in. No one could stay silent. The seats in Rod Laver are so fucking creaky. <laughs> it is the like just, just the oil can the, out. I learned one thing and that is that humans in a large group cannot be silent. Cannot oh. be silent unless Roger Federer is on the court. That would pretty experience. But also, or it's like, well, two things. Day. Yeah, like, one, they definitely can be. Yeah. And they were pretty, we were so quiet on uh, Melbourne Arena that yeah. we heard, the, like, the little guy <laughs> from, like, the El Boca uh, music tent was, like, drifting well, in over the top into the open roof. his accordion. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was, it was yeah. created a bit of atmosphere. Well, the yeah. first half, of, yeah, I mean, the Wozniacki match was pretty, um, that was 6-3, 6-4. She wasn't really tested. But, yeah, yeah. Um, by the time that Federer came on, everyone was pretty, pretty glued in. Yeah, uh, they kind of that was when there wasn't really an empty seat. Everyone was clinging onto every point. Yeah, like yeah. it was life. But at the seven, the early kickoff had that sort of like chair umpire trying to get everyone in their seats mm. vibe yeah. to it, where yeah. everyone's kind of filing in after work and like. Even after the first change of ends, you just notice that like there's another like 500 people that have just streaming, have in. just streamed in. Yeah, yeah. Like so that was that was interesting. But on that, go on. Are we a bit precious about audience uh, ethics and uh, silence and all that kind of thing? Because I feel like, again, you wait, especially at Rod Laver, like no one's looking 
Like, the players aren't looking three tiers above them. No, I think it's the front row. The front row is behind In particular. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost just... It's like it's like, so, though, like yeah, the side screen thing. That's fair enough. Yeah. But, like, I think most of the time you, they could get away with just... No, they practice with walk in. Well, that that and if they're playing on an outside court, obviously Federer hasn't done that for, you know, 20 years or something. But, like, if you're playing on those outside courts, like, there's noise from other courts happening all the time. Like, a random cheer, a random... Bloody juice call from the umpire. A train away. A train. Choo choo. It's it's um like it, yeah. It happens, but I guess I guess you're expecting it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's yeah. it's when there's that like person that screams midpoint, like my cousin did last night. Um, well, that's the point. I think yeah. If the there was worst, if there was sort of it, it, was, it was actually pretty humorous. <laughs> if but. there was more like ambient noise, then there'd be less concerns about the the joke that yells out. Because if it's dead silent, then it's and then it's, yeah. but it's it's funny. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, someone yeah. goes Ooh, yeah. halfway through the point, but if well, it's just yeah. like ambient noise, then yeah. I find when like watching Federer, the silence of the points is kind of part of the encapsulate, like yeah, it's part yeah. of the theatre. Uh, you then get that explosion when it ends. I, I no, I I think this. I I do appreciate the silence more than anything. Yeah. Um. And in, in fairness, my cousin last night. He wasn't the only one that screamed, but he just was mm. a bit loud. It was, you know, a pretty exciting point. He's just a bit louder than everyone else. But um, um, and and that happens all the time. Like when there is something, you know, someone gets lobbed and they do a thing through their legs or whatever. Um, the crowd usually yeah. murmurs, but everyone expect again. Like the players probably expect it, and they probably don't even hear it to be honest because they're so glued yeah, in. Zoned but, in. Um, but yeah, like as you said, when it is silent at the start of the point or, or for a big point, and then everyone just erupts. It's pretty mm. pretty cool. I think. Um so Federer knocked off Isterman 6'3", 6'4", 6'4". So it's, mm. like, super comfortable. Yeah. And I don't think he was really exerted. But I guess you raised the point of, like, would you really – is it worth paying to go see an early round match? And I think it definitely was. Yeah, okay. I know yeah. you can't guarantee who you're going to get, so I kind of got the luck of the draw in yeah. getting both defending champions on the opening night. But, I mean, Federer showed glimpses of why he is as good as he is. Yeah. I think there was a shot in particular where he was full stretch. He had a gap maybe of – maybe half a foot that he could yeah. have got the ball. It was on his backhand. The ball was behind him mm. and he's basically pulled out. He was kind of almost wide of the net and he's played that backhand where you pull it and it catches the inside of the line. And it's just like he had like, yeah, about yeah. that much, about That's a half point. a foot where he could where he could pass. And I just looked at that and I'm like, oh, my God, that is the sort of stuff. And it's worse. Yeah, that's a good um, point. I mean, we're just, there's elegance in a lot of just, I mean, like just watching his feet. Yeah, is remarkable in itself. I mean, we we went to Rod Laver three, well, four or five years ago now. I think we were following Duckworth around. We sort of jumped on his bandwagon really early one year. We went when he was a little wild card, and he was on an outside court. And then we sort of jumped on his bandwagon and decided to follow him around. And then one year he got he drew Federer at Rod Laver. Um, but again, we were pretty lucky because you know for starters we saw Federer. Um, mm. You know, it's pretty clinical in that game. And then we saw Hewitt and. Seppi that went to five, so... Of course. Um, yeah, always. Hewitt went to five. Good old um, But as you said, I think if you do get to see the best do their thing, even if it is comfortably do their thing, it's it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And did, you, did you have a David Foster Wallace moment, though? You don't seem to speak of Federer as this, you know, eternal being. Like, is he is he beyond the human form? Like, because that's what people say. Like, people get people go real mental about Federer. So a lot of people we talk about, so basketball, we talk about Jordan being the greatest of all time, but it's very much like an accolades. Like, he scored this many points, and it's, you know, Ricky Ponning and Don Bradman. But it's not about how they did it. It's about what they did. But it seems with Federer, it's one of the very few sports people we go, 
not only is he super successful and has a massive long list of accolades and prize mm. money and grand mm. slams, but it's being there and witnessing how he does it. It's mm. all it's where that art and sport crossover for once as opposed to being quite divided. Yeah, I mean, I mm. probably haven't watched enough tennis to have enough points of comparison. Yeah. I think the thing that I would say about that is I know Jake Nile won, ran the numbering when he did his feature on Federer early in the week in terms of how many kilojoules Federer expended in the final a couple of years back against Nadal versus mm. how many kilojoules Nadal expended. And the difference was quite severe. And As I in think Nadal more. Nadal exerted yeah. a lot more energy in a kilojoule sense throughout the how match. How do they know that? Well, I think the measuring stick is still is fairly good. Yeah, yeah, okay. um, it's about how much they moved and how many times they changed direction and what speed they were running at. Yeah, and sure. so I think the point that is made there is that Federer does something like a five-set match in a far more graceful and less exerting way because he's so beautiful than graceful to watch. Yeah. And I think you do get a sense of that. Um, and yeah, He doesn't look, no matter what he's doing, he doesn't look nonplussed or stressed it, by it. I think he doesn't he, look exerted Everything like he does. Do. Everything he does is so, yeah, as you said, it's so beautiful and clinical that I think, and I've always thought this, even if even if Nadal, some, you know, I think he's three or four slams behind, even if he took over, I think, especially because Nadal's been a sort of, I mean, he's won on all slams, but certainly dominated the French, mm. um, where I still think I'd have Federer above him, Mike, mm. even mm. if he beat him by a couple of slams. Yeah. I mean, if Nadal went on to win well, Nadal then, just owns the French. Yeah. And yeah, Federer did crazy. not, Federer has won it. I, I think the thing that I took away is like I went with a very like very clear sense in my head of like this is probably the only time I'm going to see this guy mm. live. So to me, it did feel like a sporting bucket list yeah, yeah, event, which yeah. is I guess in itself I was like, oh, this is actually really exciting. Yeah. And then I went home and I'm like, oh, that was great. I'm a little bit sad that that's now done. Yeah, um, but what I did year. pick up is the reverence. I think I underestimated how much people love Federer. Mm. Like I was amazed at just the general, like the the glaze in people's eyes when he was talking to John McEnroe after the game. It was like like they could have actually been watching, I don't know, a Richmond footballer. <laughs> the, rev, the reverence Pendles. probably even goes beyond that. Like yeah. it's, it's even greater because there's only one person to subject, yeah. your, to give your attention to. He's a generational figure. But it's also the way he... You know, presents himself off yeah. the court, oh. um, the humble brags, all that sort of thing. Like, but but like you know, he he's just very, very calm all the time, very eloquent. He's all and he's always very respectful to his opponents. Um, yeah, there's there's certainly an aura about him. I just I just pray to God there's no like Tiger Woods situation going on there, there won't behind be. the scenes. I'm sure there isn't. But <laughs> you do look at him and go, that there must be something the wrong with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, he seems perfect. I don't think I don't think there. I mean, like, and I always remember. But that's probably the difference, and that's like. I think he's more the only thing I could think of if you're like go digging for a scandal would be no, like would be no would be like tax evasion. Because uh, I think yeah, sure. I think for me, like a very similar a very similar thing would be Federer versus Nadal is Messi versus uh, Ronaldo in mm. in football, and it is that thing where if you watch Ronaldo, he's like stressed and strained, and he's he's sinew and he's muscle and his veins and he's you know. When he when he scores, he's like he's all like rah, very much very much like Rafa. When mm. Messi plays, there was a stat last year. Again, they ran the the very dubious uh, kilometers and and sprinting Jules, numbers yeah, and yeah. and I can't think, but like he walks the most. He's the he's walked the most kilometers ever for a professional footballer. Yeah, like right. he either he is either running to get a ball, go past a player, or score a goal, and then he's walking or he's walking every other time because he just knows Where he just sees the chess field that yeah. what it is, and then he goes and does it. Yeah. The same as Federer. So they, yeah. there's there's every once in a while you see a player that's above that seems to be ahead of the game or mm. literally in the sense that 
not before his time, but literally has more time than yeah. anyone else. Yeah. And so I think that's in that sense. But then those people have that have that confidence in themselves to know that well, we are who we are. So mm. it doesn't matter. And and in fact, so I will just be humble. I will just be like whatever. Yeah. There's no need to have braggadocio uh, about you or whatever. Yeah. It's just well, in fairness to Dale, he's not he's not got that sort of Ronaldo bravado off the court. Um, no, he's not Djokovic. Yeah. No, he's not, I, love, yeah. I love, I love, I Djokovic, mean, I still so. love Nadal yeah. and I, I still love Djokovic. Djokovic. I actually yeah. quite like all of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think that's the good thing about it. There's no, I mean, Djokovic was a little bit, certainly early on, he liked to be against the crowd. I think when he won in 08, he was sort of like the, the bad boy. Mm. But pretty much since then, yeah. like they're all, you know, they're all so easy to get behind because they're all, you know, great off the court. And, and they've got the relationships court, you know. with each other. Yeah. But, which becomes comes out very frequently after the final. I mm. mean, one of my memories, and they played it again on Monday, is I think it was 06 when Federer got the trophy from Rod Laver, just broke down crying and then tried to thank him and just couldn't get the words out. Yeah. Like, Thanks for the trophy, Rod. <laughs> like, and it was, it's just sort of like, uh, yeah, I, I just sort of feel like that Rod Laver-Federer relationship is so built on respect mm. that I, I just think there's a lot to like about the way that they respect what's gone before. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, it is, that's why they And we talk about a lot of bad boys in tennis, but it isn't these four. No. There isn't, I don't think there is a lot of bad boys in tennis, though I do think tennis is a terrible game for humans. I said this to Jason <laughs> yesterday. Like it is, you think of all the things that humans need, they need kind of like security, so you need financial security. Tennis doesn't provide that. You either win, you know, get to a certain yeah. period to get money to make it even worth being on the pro circuit. You need relationships. A lot of the time it's a solo sport. All you do is focus on yourself. You're not focused on anyone else, really, unless mm. you play doubles. But even then, it's the team. Like It's a team of two. It's not a team of 18. It's not a team of 22. Yeah. And then it's just huge amounts of stress all the time, like physical stress, yeah. mental stress, workload stress in terms of, like, it's fly here, stay in a hotel, play a tournament, fly mm. there, stay in a hotel. Yeah. It's like, it's not... Everyone pretends that, like... Well, everyone, everyone is naive enough to think that, oh, you know, you win. Oh, you you get knocked out in the first round, you win $32,000. That's amazing. But it's like this plane costs that much, this coach yeah, costs this exactly. much. This is how much I need to pay in like, medical fees and whatever. This is how much I need to pay in hotels and flights. Just 32 grand. I'd yeah, love to boom. know where you have to get to in the world and for how long. Um, I think depending on what, genuinely what, make. You know, it's a lot harder in tennis than it is in golf. Yeah, and, and like because you think, well, I think it's you know, on the ATP circuit. If you play like the the minimum number of games to get enough ranking points to stay in Grand Slams, mm. you don't break even without excluding any sponsorship you have. Mm. If you just relied on prize money, you wouldn't break even unless you made the third round in every tournament you played. That's it. that's crazy. That is so crazy it's because hard. Yeah. the third round, there's what thirty two people make the third round at the at yeah. the Australian <laughs> Open. Yeah. Thirty two in the world. Yeah. It's insanity. Yeah. And the rest. And there's like a there's a heap mm. of tennis players and they're all just struggling away. Yeah. And the other thing about it is, um, you know, depending on which country you're from and, you know, to an extent it happens in Australia, but, you know, you, you're sort of found as this prodigy at a young age, you're told you're the best, um, you get everything thrown at you, you get all this money thrown at you, you know, to, to develop. And then on the court, you've got little servants that hand you balls and hand you towels and take you to the toilet um, there's uh, in your article, mm-hmm. yeah. Bano, the other day, like there's there's twelve, there's so many people on the court for two people, and you you just you just God. But then if you don't quite live up to that expectation, you don't quite get to the thirty second best player in the world, you don't make the money. It must be incredibly frustrating. Oh. 
um, yeah. and and we, get, and we get surprised at the burnouts that tennis players or golfers, like individual sports stars, mm. even snooker is, has, is renowned for it as well. Mm. But like we see it all the time in actors, yeah. musicians, especially solo artists that like break down or yeah. overdose or have to go to rehab or whatever. And that's why I don't. And it's like yeah. it's very that is exactly the same environment as what tennis yeah. players find themselves. Well, this in. This is where anyone that's listening should go and read Andre Agassi's book. Yeah, as a yeah. as a sort of as a way of examining those problems. And I know you, you talk about having to pay. Like this is where, so a guy like Federer or any top 10 player, they've got fitness coach, nutritionist. They've probably got their personal physio. Mm. They've got their tennis coach. Mm. They've got like, so they've got like support teams that are massive mm. before you get to family and whatever. So they're not just traveling themselves. They're traveling with entourages essentially yeah, of, yeah. you know, multiple different service people. And mm. so it does have that service environment. Movie tennis. star effect. Yeah. Mo- and real movie star. Everyone's here to do something for you. And that's why I don't think we, you know, obviously people get frustrated with Tomic and Kyrgios when they have an outburst or whatever, but I don't think you can be that surprised by it all because yeah. there must it, like there must be such intense pressure yeah. when you're built up from such a young age yeah. to you know to from everyone and you know the, we're like we do it as punters like we're like Kyrgios, you should be number one in the world you got so much talent um, and then you know he's come up as a kid being so good and then you know he got to number 15 or 16 or, or even higher in the world um, and it must be there must be so much pressure on them. So I, yeah. as, as you said, Gordo, I don't I don't think we can be surprised that there's going to be someone. And you know, their their little you know media spats and whatever. That's nothing compared to what can happen. Mm. So yeah. I think we I think we do need. And to even to bring it back to like regular people problems is that essentially every tennis player is a business. Yeah, like Kyrgios yeah. is 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 the is the in, like the brand entity Kyrgios. And mm. as you said, he has employees essentially. Yeah, like he hire he, he pays people and. Depending on what kind of personality you have, that's what you start thinking about as well. It's yeah. I need to make the fourth round so that I can pay my physio so they still have yeah. a job. Yeah. And in fantasy, he does brand himself pretty well off the court. Mm. He's got lots of sponsorship deals. Yeah. He's got his own foundation yeah. and things yeah. like that. So. I think the, another interesting aside, uh, Greg Baum wrote an article in The Age that was just titled How to Be a Good Sport. And it was kind of about how, well, I guess some young tennis players get pushed a little bit into playing tennis and how it's not necessarily their their love. Mm. It's, it's quite a thought. It's a classic Baum sort of thought-provoking, no real – It doesn't. it's not talking about anyone in particular. It's just yeah. designing this character who was essentially, yeah, pushed into someone else's love, not something yeah. that he loved and never really diverted. And I just think it's it's worth reading in light of all of those issues that we've spoken yeah. about. Um, it's always oh, – we'll chuck it in the show notes, but yeah, yeah. it is a poignant thought. Um, I'd like to thank everybody at the tournament, um, volunteers. You guys have uh, some of the best volunteers in the world. I remember that uh, at the Sydney Olympics, that's when I realized how much you guys uh, love what you do. And uh, yeah, it makes our stay here, um, for instance, at the Australian Open, so much more worthwhile. And- so, Juicy, you're not a big fan of final set tiebreakers? No, no, I'm not. Do you want to, it, do you want to elaborate on that? I do, us? I would love to. No, well... <laughs> I mean, it was probably bound to happen, you know. The draws are probably leaving the AFL. No one likes a draw. No one likes things happening for Gordon a long period a draw, of time. I, I mean, I love a draw. We're pro draw. We're, I'm very pro draw. I'm pro tie and draw. Yeah, well, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, and so I think, and I think it was bound to head that way with tennis. But like, sort of like the AFL, they went from, you know, replays after every final 
which was dumb because every final series, if there was a draw, went forever. Ridiculous. And then they brought it back and they said every, you know, just grand finals and then they brought it back again. And I think you can say that's sensible. And that's what tennis did. You know, they had every set was to advantage. There were no tiebreakers ever. And there were some ridiculous games that went to like 13-11 in the second set and then 15-13 in the fourth and they still had, you know, insanity. So, yes, tiebreakers were introduced. But sort of like the penalty shootout in, in like a World Cup final, I think it just takes away... It takes away the real advantage that you need to have to, to prove that you're better, to prove that you are better than that player. Because in a tiebreaker, I know it, I know that so the final set ones go to ten, um, but you know you get a lucky point here and there. Um, you have two serves in a row. It can all change very quickly. But if you need to, I think to prove that you're the best, you've got to break and hold your serve and then you're the best. You've but I don't that. know if every individual sporting encounter, it's just about defining a winner, isn't it? It's about, I reckon, a replay in a grand final, like an AFL grand final, makes sense. Yeah, see, I, I'm it's still too, pro it's, replay. It's too big of a thing. Of <laughs> it's too big of a thing to be like, no, let's just play five minutes. more minutes. Let's just, yeah. let's just get a result. Yeah. Like the, the cachet that a grand slam has and the history that it's had and, you know, the tear that you get from getting it from a, a 50-year anniversary champion the year after suggests that yeah. this is more important than, oh, let's get it done in, ten, in, 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 ten in, in a lot of time. I agree with that. Yeah. I suppose, so would you go the AFL route and only have, so have tiebreakers for, tiebreakers for every set like we already do up mm. to number four and then have the super set at the end of the fifth except mm. for the, the, final. the final? I, I, I would be Because is, there, is yeah. there like a medical thing where like, well, are, sh- we, are we going to kill a tennis player one day if we go back to the, <laughs> well, I'm playing 7068 <laughs> being yeah. well, so if, they, if they didn't die, then probably no one's going to die. But I think more more to the point is that the the yeah, like a game like that, the ridiculous games, and there's been a few. You know, there was Roddick and Alan Newey, I think, back in the mid two thousands that went to twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Mm. And like the Chang game went for like yeah, yeah. six hours or something. That? And that would, I'm sure, it must you know diminish your ability to recover, and it puts you at a disadvantage for the next round. Yeah, so is that a problem inherently? Uh, and that's what you could argue. You could say, "Well, you well no, because like you weren't, be yeah, to it. you weren't. But don't don't take it to five sets, and if you want to worry yeah. about winning the semi, like, yeah." <laughs> but but so I can see the argument for doing it during you know during the rest of the tournament. But I still think that final, as you said, because it is something that's so important to have it down to ten points, two serves each, back and forth. I think diminishes it. Yeah, a, but a, a semi-final bit. can be just as close, and is in theory. You can't, and, you can't win a yeah. final. But I suppose semi. there are, but there are time restrictions on. So it becomes it does become a thing about cash versus pragmatism. Mm. So like the semi-final is not the last day of a tournament. That's true. Whereas and on on the finals day, yeah. both women's and men's have the whole day themselves. Exactly. So there and is there I is no time yeah. issue. Like there is no issue, and the same with like AFL. Like there's always next. Like there is another spot next week. Yeah. So you can play a replay. And I think um, like, that's why if you ha- if it's there and it's available. Use it. It makes sense for everything else where there is no time, and that's 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 why Australian Open so good because like because we have a ruse. There's no real delays come the second week, so you're yeah. not compromising people's chances by making them play the second half of a game on the Tuesday and then they start the next game on a on a Wednesday and all because that kind of, of bollocks you see stuff, at yeah. Yeah, the other, other Grand Slams. And there's it's interesting reading the the statement from Tennis Australia Open or whatever about when you know the decision to change it to tiebreakers, and they said. Got to be somewhere, but they did say that you know we've consulted a lot of stakeholders, so players, sponsors, TV, you know, the TV rights holders, all that. They didn't mention the fans, mm. and I think from the, the the group of people I associate with, most people were 
not. I mean, I don't think you know. There's not that many games that go to that mm. extent, but I don't. Th- I think most people wanted it to stay, and they didn't want the tiebreakers to come in, um, which seems to be a common theme. With well, a walking lot of out, walking out that fast enough after the Demons five setter, people were like, "Oh, I thought there was a period there. It was two. I think it was two all in the in the fifth. And mm. they're like, oh, I thought there was a period there. We're going to be in for like a, a big epic like five setter." And then someone's like, oh, no, didn't you hear? Like, the super set comes in right, now. Yeah. And they're like, oh, like, that's really disappointing. It means I'll never be able to be the, the person that was there for the, for the big one. For the six yeah. hour classic getting home at 4 a.m., yeah, calling yeah. the boss up the next day, being like, sorry, not, so coming, not, coming, not coming to work. I was at the tennis. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, I think, think that's yeah, what we yeah, the fan, yeah, the fan misses their epic. And it is a rarish occurrence, much like the grand final replay. So, like, yeah. grand final replay is, what, two, two in three. There's been three in, yeah. So, like, we're not, and I know that, like, we probably get extra sets, you know, every year, mm. but it's not, sorry, extra games, but it's not, like, this thing that happens every week. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm kind of a bit more of the leave it persuasion. Like, yeah. let tennis just have this anomaly that allows a game to be 70-68. Those players were never going to die. Yeah. Because, inevitably, if one of them falls over, then... You know, someone would have retired her yeah. before they died. It's a self-restricting yeah. sport as well. Like, yeah. You'll get so tired that you'll someone will, someone will beat you. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah well, exactly. <laughs> and inevitably, yeah. I know you mentioned Roddick. Like, it is usually the big servers hmm. where it gets keeps going because yeah. you can't touch the bloke's serve. Yeah, yeah. So you're essentially waiting for him to have a terrible service game. Yeah. Which someone like Isner is just not not going or happen. a Roddick is not going to do for a while. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so there's the, the sort of a yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel like it. Why get rid of something that's given? people a lot of enjoyment because if um, you were there for all 11 hours of that match yeah. it's the pretty good 11 hours I uh, but I but I can like I, I do see, I obviously see the argument for doing the t- the yeah. having the final set tiebreak because the players just want to recover they don't want to be there for seven hours to play a match because then they've got another one but that's where surely you could compromise and say at least the final will still be I'm pretty sure it's not but at least yeah. the final or will still have be a limit so play to I don't know 15 and then yeah. if it's 15, nah, all, nah. you play a super still, nah, nah, I don't like that. That's that's just just had the super set then. Like it's either b- go all in on the on the go <laughs> all in on the two plus, all in or nothing. Don't just or, dip the toe in. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or or Americanize it. Well, like don't so. don't go halfway. Americans hate draws. They hate draws. They can't they can't deal with it. Okay, so our final little closing question: Is tennis going to be a permanent part of your sporting diet, your sporting nutrition plan for the rest of the year? I want to say yes, and I think I say it every year after the Aussie Open. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's that time of year as well. Yeah. It is that oh, time yeah. of year, like, oh, I'll, I'll go to the gym twice as much as I did last year, and I'll, yeah. I'll do this, and I'll eat healthier, yeah, and I'll yeah. stop drinking beers, and it's like because it's that and New Year's tennis. resolution. Oh, I'll watch tennis, not just footy. And, and then it's it's footy, hard, footy, footy. It's hard because, of, but it's you know Wimbledon and the French are both. Overnight, and the US is a and the US morning you can job get there. yeah you can get a little bit, but the best time of year is you know if you're unemployed I guess or you fun work nights, as we like to call it is um, you know when Wimbledon and the tour are on at the same time and this year the Ashes will probably be on at the same time as well so there's a chance that I'll keep following the thing about it is though if, am I going to watch any other tournaments ATP events probably, probably not. not I don't even know if where you'd find them to be fair Fox Sports Fox Sports will have them somewhere I guess yeah but, and I think yeah. like most sports now you can buy like an ATP watch oh, yeah. pass thing and get all the games on your phone and whatever yeah, but I don't find the Cincinnati Masters are going to be something that yeah but that, that's me yeah, I know there are a lot of tennis fans that will watch everything watch every match ever tennis is a lot, it's like a lot, it's a bit like trying to watch the World Cup as yeah. an overnight thing when it's in the wrong time zone yeah. and matches go for six hours. Like, it's not yeah. a quick watch yeah. Yeah. a lot of the time. Like, but 
You've got to be I up love, all night. you got to love But, you know, with each slam, you follow it and you see who's going to win. So you, I mean, it. you're right, though. You could have the Ashes, the World Cup, Le Tour, and then um, Wimbledon mm. on at very similar times. Mm. So there's a fair chance of a bit of a multi-screen binge. What tennis does well, though, that other sports don't is they have a clear hierarchy of events. It's yeah. like clear, and the same with golf. Golf is the same. Like yeah. there, there's just there is a golf tournament on every weekend, and part of that is that's what how the players you, like golf and tennis are sports where if you're not playing every day, you're not going to be good enough. And like you need money. well, yeah, you're not making money, mm. but B, you're not mm. going to be informed. And we can't take it for granted. I think with tennis being Melbournians, we just mm. go, oh, it's the Oz Open. This is how what every tennis tournament is. Yeah. But like people that live in Brisbane, they get the international. Like they're Brisbane yeah. international. Is their big event, so they will go and watch it, and they imagine, do. Imagine yeah. living in Brisbane. and and like the Hotman Cup in Perth, like people go and they they sell those games yeah. out because mm. this, this is our big time. So when you go to the Cincinnati Masters or the Madrid International or whatever, they'll go. No, that, that matters a lot to that town, that yeah. city, and also those players. Like when those players win an ATP Championship, it's not like oh, I just won the whatever. It is like no, that's a big, I that's won, a that's yeah. a big deal. I want a I want a top tier ATP saw that with, Championship. With Demon last week, yeah, yeah. and then there's. Four tournaments that the whole world pays attention yeah. to, and you said the same thing with golf. Yeah. Whereas, whereas yeah. with cricket, yeah. so like yeah, that's, that's when we have this, example. and that's like that's what cricket needs to be better at. I think is relevance. Have relevance, and you go like there's too many games now where everything's meant to be top tier in on the international stage, but then the top tier gets diluted. Mm. So it's like oh well, now we can skip out of these these top tier games where really you want to have just enough international cricket that every game means. A lot. As much as a Grand Slam would, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And then you can have your domestic and your franchise and whatever underneath for, yeah. the, for the real nuff-nuffs. I want to watch it every single day. Mm. But not have 12 Grand Slams. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, 12 months you, of Grand Slams. Because then, then you like, devalue then you, then you don't, that's And that's the same do. thing we have now with... Yeah. the Golden Goose. Yeah. And, just, and that's what a lot of league like competition sports have. Like, they, the season goes too long and it's like... You know, you'll get more eyeballs by having it, like... NFL, I think, nails it the best. It's, it's like, unreal. Yeah, they have the season that's just long enough to like have a fairly fair schedule and get the right people into the playoffs, and yeah. then they have a, a lengthy playoff system that goes. Yeah, you know, this is where the all the entertainment happens, really. And then you have the Super Bowl. Well, that's my argument with Big Bash. Hmm. Rather than having a long season, it's too long. Have everyone plays everyone once, and then incentivize postseason. So have best of three finals mm. in mm. Big Bash. Mm. I don't know if there's ever a form of cricket or just a sport. We talk about a best of three AFL grand final. Nonsensical. Dumb. But if there's ever a sport in the Australian market that is suited to best of three finals, it is cricket. Yeah. So if you make the top four of an eight-team Big Bash, you are then guaranteed another three games in yeah. the semi and then a three-game final series. Yeah. And, like, you can seed it. So if you're the top rank, you get two games at home and you play one game away. So there's home. You could do so much yeah. with that in Big Bash, which would add value to the finals, Yeah, make sure you get the best winner and then not create these ridiculous double up games that we just don't Seasons need. So that that, that is yeah. what Big Bash should be. I know that's a tangent, but ugh. And then my last more shield less Big Bash. Yeah. Sorry. And my last tennis question uh, is do you think as sports fans but I think predominantly the two of you especially are your tribal like club sports fans like you love the Tigers. Boy, oh boy. You guys love you love the pies. Does he? Will can a can a sport like tennis, <sighs> golf, snooker, chess be ever be as like pa- impassioned for you as following your team like is is being team like is worshiping federer the the almost higher deity of tennis as powerful experience as winning or losing a grand final no no for me especially 
having recently <laughs> lost. And I'm having recently <laughs> won. Uh, yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, for me, but I know there are people. There are people I feel like that that's, I love feel like Federer and that love you know Australia. You know, sitting next to we the people last night. There are people that are that passionate, but for me. Yeah, it's probably it's it's not gonna it's not gonna but e- but even like for me even following the Australian cricket team I am passionate but I'm not as passionate as I'm about Collingwood. Mm. That's probably because I'm an absolute moron. Yeah, but yeah, you know, and I just don't feel like um. So my dad followed different tennis players to me, and I don't know whether that makes an impact on the hereditary yeah, inheritance yeah. of that love because yeah. I just feel like in significant or following significant sporting teams or personalities is always incumbent on what my parents have been have sort of been in love with and that mm. was always Richmond and there's a couple of others. Yeah. So I just feel like without that, it would be more difficult. And the other two things for me are the ability to follow it. So, you know, footy, you can follow the whole season very easily. As we were saying before, tennis, the rest of the year, time zones make it difficult and even cricket, time zones can make it difficult when they're touring. And the other thing is, and probably the biggest for me being a cynical Collingwood supporter, is the ability, is being able to find anyone at work, anyone down the street that goes to someone else and you just attack each other. Like, I, I don't know, mm. like having that, having everyone being different and throughout the, whereas, you know, this time of year, everyone's going for Australia, everyone's going for, you know, Kyrgios, Dimino or whatever. Um, it's a bit different. Whereas, homogenous. Whereas, yeah, that passion really comes out in Great me when I hate everyone else. Because and that's the thing I find interesting about the hate. what you can take out of <laughs> hate. What you can take out of what you can take out of tennis and what what other other sports in Australia will kind of use because mm. I think both like the AFL, the NRL, and cricket are the three leagues at the moment trying to work out what they are culturally as an experience. So yeah. they they will and they will turn to the Australian Open and be like, oh, maybe we need to be more like we need more music, we need more food trucks, we need to do this. And I think depending on what you are, like if, if cricket wants to go down that league path and do and have this kind of tribal thing, it needs to focus on more what AFL and NRL do better than what tennis does. Because yeah. I think tennis needs that. It's an expo. Yeah. It's like it's an like experience. the World Trade Fair. Yeah. It's like it's that thing where, like, because you, you, when you go and see a tennis match, what you're really seeing is a physical exhibition of, like, human coordination, essentially. Um, it's just too, it's just too really, it's like going to the ballet. It's like that kind of thing. It's like. Not that I've ever been. All right, but David, no, but, calm but, down. But, little but, bear but, driving. Uh, <laughs> reincarnated David Foster, David Foster Wallace over here. It's like but, going to the, do you go to the opera as well? Is that similar? <laughs> well, yeah, because you're going there, it's like going to a movie or watching a drama play out, but you don't really have, you can't have a vested interest really other than if you bet on the game. But okay, it's like boxing, it's like those things where it's just, it's person v person in mm. the ring. Mm. I think your enjoyment is more on was the quality of that contest, was the drama of that yeah. thing up to my yeah, you know, has that sated my my need for a, a great watch. Whereas you Pro- can go you can go to a terrible football game, but if your team wins, yeah. you're like, I don't get no, I, I disagree say, with that. No, no, I, no, no, no. Right. Like that, like when you get to that tribalness, yeah. and that's what I think like that's what Big Bash is looking for. Big Bash is looking for where they they want to go and be like, Oh, the Renegades Played like they won. They they last night. They won three wickets down. It was a terrible game, but my team won. Yeah. New beauty up the Renegades. Even, so the bad games. Are Even the ter- yeah. yeah. Well, prime example for me was last night. Millman. I was at the Millman game. Five sets. It was incredible. The crowd was going like the fourth set was bananas. Um, and even though Millman lost, and we were all heavily invested in Millman, walked away from that being like 
you know what? That was an amazing game, an amazing experience. Whereas the flip Whereas side is, the flip last side year's is, grand final was amazing. Yeah, and but I, you're, I, you I hated it. To watch yes. it. I saw, I saw a highlight of Dugowie kicking a goal again, and it brought up a lot. I've of watched emotions. that. I haven't seen anything since. It's, I've watched that replay more times than the Richmond grand final. <laughs> replay. I watched it three times the week after. And I, I can, I can ne- and and that's the thing. Like because I've I've now witnessed four losing grand finals, three of them being quite good. Oh, I can't, so I can't appreciate. Losing, I can't appreciate those games for what they were, and apparently they were great games. Whereas you'll happily go and watch, you know, the poo miss out or or rafter miss the out. The poo, as in like Michael Lapusa's miss out on a oh, grand right. slam. Or, yeah, yeah, like yeah. wow, we. Yeah, but and that's what I mean. Like last night, epic contest. The player I wanted to win didn't win, but it still didn't diminish the experience. Yeah, but yeah, it's that. It's that. Exhibition, passion yeah. That you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting that with the stars. They, but really, yeah, I am. I, Eddie, you know, my emotional <laughs> connection to Glenn Maxwell grows by the day. Exactly, but and he needs so, to come back. And so, my last question to you, JB. Obviously, you've been centre court. Will you fork out? Would you ever fork out the? I think it's probably I think 600 bucks minimum to go watch a uh, Australian Open Grand Slam final. Yeah, I would. Because mm. I reckon I sat there and I was like, "This is great." And next year I want to go in the second week. Maybe not the final, yeah. but I want to see two heavyweights clubbing it out because mm. that's like neck level classic stuff. I Whereas I say. just yeah yeah it was it was good. I would pay the hundred bucks a hundred percent to go in the first week again. Mm. But I think next year if I was going to spend the money, I'm going second week. Um, I'm just going evening session. It's going to be fine. And I'm probably taking the next day off work because it you know you hope it goes to five a.m. And could, and as you said, like if you imagine that Federer. You know, when you went in round one, was a, such a joy to watch mm. in a you know straight sets win. Yeah. Imagine what it'd be like, even if it just went to four yeah. in a quarterfinal. Imagine when he has to pull out yeah. the stops, yeah. and he's got he's able he's got someone that can take service games off him. Yeah, it creates those extra layers of drama and draws out more and more. Hundred percent. And yeah. I think that's probably the biggest outtake. Is like I will always go with the ground pass. It's the first time I went to one way, but. Um,